The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Whether you're experiencing loss, pain, or just need a pick-me-up from time to time, you're about to get exactly what you need. Welcome to Go For It. Your host is Joe Hausman. Today, you'll hear stories and words of hope, love, and encouragement. Get ready to laugh while you learn. Here's your host, Joe Hausman. Good morning and welcome to my show, Go For It, here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I am your host, Joe Hosman. So glad you're back with us today, and I have a very exciting guest with me today. Her name is Christine Madera. But as you know, before I start my show every week, I do like to start off with some inspirational quotes. I hope in the United States, I hope you all had a blessed Thanksgiving week last week, and I hope it was the best you made it. Um, as we know, we always like to give hope and encouragement and love to others, and I hope your uh, Thanksgiving was just that as well. I want to read an excerpt out of my friend's book and my friend is Don Lloyd and he's written over 20 books actually and last week I wrote an I read an excerpt out of the book I'm writing my new one but also now this is out of my friend Don Lloyd's uh, book and it's called Taking Back Your Life and he really is an inspirational writer and I think this is really going to resonate with what we're going to talk about today with my guest but Don talks about in his, his book Taking Back Your Life I begin this book with a foundational issue that affects all of us. It can be argued that we are pre-wired to respond to the pressure of others. In some ways, what pressure helps from societal norms and mores? On the other hand, when that pressure questions your value as a human being, you better start questioning the validity of the bearer of the pressure. Let's start with a question. What is the value of someone's opinion of your ability and personal worth? When we were teenagers, most of us wanted the acceptance of our peers. As a result, it mattered a great deal, and we wanted to conform, nonconformists conform to the mores of the nonconformists, whatever that means. <clears throat> by the time we were in our late 30s and 40s, we said we didn't much care about what they thought, but by then, our lives were molded as we tried to live up to the impossible standards. Now I find that we are really important... Now I find that what was really important at age 20 does not register on any scale of importance I now embrace. The time I spent thinking about what other people thought about me was, for me, truly a waste of time. On top of that, I've learned that really didn't spend too much time thinking about me anyway. Today, when someone has an unsolicited opinion of me that I find objectionable, I simply think, that person is rather presumptuous, isn't he or she? The life you're living is yours. So find purpose and live it to the fullest. What others think about you will not pay your bills or produce wonderful relationships, nor does what they really think matter. Just remember the value of unsolicited, someone's unsolicited opinion of you is worth every penny you paid for it, which is zero. Now, isn't that the truth? So today I'd like to bring on my guest, Christine Madera. Christine Madera is a speaker, a number one best-selling author and coach who teaches people to live authentically so that they can stay centered in their inner wisdom, even during the most challenging personal and professional situations. Authenticity decreases stress, enhances well-being, and vastly improves satisfaction and success in all areas of life. The one critical thing that her 30-plus years of personal development work and 12-plus years in the mind-body integration field has taught her is that you can know something in your mind, but if you don't know it in your body, you really don't know it. Your body holds your truth. I like that statement. Your body holds your truth. 
Exploring that truth and how to embody and express authentic truth is at the heart of all her work. She is the author of a best-selling book on meditation and recently released her first novel called God and Drag, which also speaks to living authentically. You can find her at christinemadera.com. Christine, welcome to my show. Go for it. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Joe. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited that you're on the show with me today, and I want to learn more about living authentically because I hear that statement all the time. And I really love this sentence, your body holds your truth. And I really just think that that statement right there is powerful. It really, you know, it is. And it took me many, many years to figure that out. And then once I figured that out, it took many years to actually um, to really come to terms with that and to understand how to work with that because, and your body holds your truth on a couple of different levels. So, you know, from a subconscious level, it holds what you believe to be true. And that's what you're, you're, you know, when you were reading that quote today, there was so many, so many things in there. I was like, oh yeah, I'd love to talk about this. Oh, and this, and this, and this. It was such a juicy um, quote. So thank you for reading that. But you know, we learn these things about who we're supposed to be in the world, and they're stored in our bodies, and it's often contradictory. And anytime anything is kind of triggered by somebody, whether it's because we're not um, approved of by someone or because we're not conforming in a particular way or because we want to do something and there's, you know, internal blocks that come up, and that's holding on to our subconscious truth, all those things that we were learned. But our bodies also tapped into kind of our inner wisdom, our, our true truth, like who we are and our authentic truth beneath who we've learned to be in the mind. And so both of those truths are alive in the body. And they, you know, we, we go back and forth between them all the time. And it's kind of like that story about the two wolves, that, that whichever wolf you feed is the one that has kind of dominance in your life. And so, you know, it's, it's the same with your body. Whichever truth you live by or strive to live by is the one that, that you're reinforcing in your everyday experience. And that really dictates um, everything in your life from what you create to how you experience each and every day. Mm-hmm. I read something recently that says your subconscious mind is basically the one that dominates what you think and how you think it. Do you think that's true or um, how do you feel about that? I do. And I know, you know, for people who are real mind people, I, I get a lot of pushback on that one. Uh, people think, well, I'm, I'm totally in charge of what I think. And, you know, I always find new situations or, and new solutions and things. And, and I say, yeah, but the, the context of all of that is within your subconscious mind. So you can really only see what your subconscious mind um, under, understands. So there's mm-hmm. a great story about how when Columbus was, was um, sailing to the New World, the Indians didn't recognize they, they didn't know what was happening because they didn't have any concept. There was nothing subconsciously that they could create that had ships of that size in their mind. And so they, they didn't understand what was coming at them because they didn't have a context of ships. And so it's the same sort of thing that if you don't have a concept of something or you don't have an awareness about something on a subconscious level, you can't see it consciously. And that's why so many people miss so many things um, on, in our kind of our collective um, experience because we're just not conditioned to see them. So some people see opportunities in one place. The other people would never even understand that was an opportunity. Or some people see... Um, 
you know, things happening that other people would be like, I don't, you know, you're like way off base when you think this is a threat. But because that's what they've been conditioned to and that's what their subconscious is responding to, that's what they see. So I totally believe that. And I, but I also think that your conscious mind has the ability to choose to become more aware and to do the things that, that you can do to come into that more, um, heart-centered and inner wisdom-centered living by making particular choices that allow you to open up on that level and, and to teach the subconscious um, new ways of interacting with the world. So it's this great trifecta, I think, between the conscious mind, this vast subconscious that we have, and then this deep inner truth, which is actually even larger and more powerful than the subconscious, but only flows in our life to the extent that the subconscious mind allows it. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people, too, are scared. They're scared to yeah. step outside that box of what the subconscious mind is already talking about and already, already they've already pre-programmed, you know, mm-hmm. what other people have told them, what they're deciding, what they're going to do. So when you're working with somebody mm-hmm. and they've been pre-programmed, like, nope, you're going to work for corporate America the rest of your life. How dare you even step out in an entrepreneur spirit, blah, blah, blah. How do you deal with that? How do you how do you get somebody to really open up their minds? Because it's hard, you know, and being an yeah. entrepreneur myself and you're an entrepreneur, I mean, you know, we had to take those steps as well. So how do you get people to open up their minds and to, you know, believe their subconscious? Let let's start talking positive instead of reinforcing the negative. Well, one of the things that I do, because I think I'm, I'm all about being positive as well, but sometimes we, we go to positivity and we don't address the underlying belief systems. And, uh, you know, the more you kind of paint over them and suppress them, the more um, they show up in your life in stronger and stronger ways, but maybe, maybe outside of, of what you were used to um, in the place that you're painting over them. And so what I do with people is I try to interact as little as possible with the, the conscious mind because the conscious mind is kind of part of our storyteller. And it takes kind of the things that we've learned and it tells these great stories about them and puts in these contexts and explains why we're successful or why we're unsuccessful. You know, why we have good relationships, why we don't have good relationships. It has, you know, all of this history attached to it. And so when you work with the, the, the mind and directly that way, you have to go through all the layers of stories. And I find that counterproductive. And in fact, I went to, when I started college, I started as a psych major because I had been doing subconscious work for so long and I was, I was really used to very fast ways of shifting things that I thought, oh, that would be so great to do this as a living. And, and I found out then what psychologists do and it's all about let's just talk therapy and different things. And I thought, well, and I, I asked the guy I knew, I said, how long do you work with people? He goes, oh, usually at least two or three, sometimes five, sometimes ten years. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I left psychology mm-hmm. because it, I didn't think I had that, that kind of patience. And mm-hmm. so when I work with somebody, it's less about the story and less about the talk. And when we hit that resistance, you know, if we're talking about shifting from a corporate world or, or an establishment world into something different, you know, people experience resistance, whether it's a physical sensation, you know, butterflies in the stomach, you know, seizing in the heart, clenching in the throat, that's really common. It can be people see colors, it can be words don't make sense. There's a lot of ways people experience resistance. So we start with that resistance and we just 
play with the resistance and we sit with the resistance because what I find is that as the subconscious mind presents that resistance, it simultaneously presents the best way to release and resolve that resistance. And so we use those subconscious signals and we work with that so that you're just releasing layers and layers of resistance and as those release... And there's, you know, and, and then as the accompanying patterns release, the mind is then free to have new awarenesses, and then those awarenesses take us deeper. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's starting with the mind, I find, is confining, starting with, the, you know, talking a little bit to get to the subconscious to actually play in that subconscious space of releasing and then allowing new awarenesses to spring up, which is just an amazing process to watch in people, I find to be very effective, and we release a lot of stuff very, very quickly that way. Mm-hmm. Well, so quickly, because I was the same way. I wasn't a psych major, but I was a human <laughs> services major. So I know exactly what you're talking about, because I, I um, when I was doing my internship way back when in college, I actually went and worked in mental health centers, and oh, I wow. said the exact same thing. I said, how long do you work with these people? And they go, oh, sometimes years. I'm like, what? I don't <laughs> want to work with these guys for years. I want to help them so they can move on to bigger and better and then move on. So yeah. it, unconsciously or subconsciously I must have known back then what Mm -hmm. I wanted to do but yet I couldn't quite define it yet you know so it's it brings me back to this present so when you said that I'm like whoa that just triggered a memory you know that's exactly (laughs) what happened to me too so I know exactly what you're talking about so what kind of resistance um things do people have do they have physical problems do they have um like you said um sometimes they see different colors those type of things but what kind of resistance physically mentally do people experience when they're trying to work through that and they're trying to get that out and um, get rid of those layers well there's always it's at the core of it some kind of belief or um story or entrenched fear. And, you know, when you try to do this on a a story level, the stories that you would tell ourselves is not actually where the stories start. And so the stories often start very, very early in life, and we we just layer things over them. And so in all the layers that we have, there tend to be lots of different kinds of resistances. So most people will have some kind of physical resistance in the sense of sensation or kind of a gut reaction or kind of, you know, some kind of an emotional reaction that, that is attached to that really deep belief or that deep experience or that deep fear. But people experience those in different ways. So you can experience through something like posture. So it's interesting to watch people come in because sometimes, you know, you'll see people and they'll have like, their, you know, their head is forward, their chest is forward, everything is about moving forward, and they have back problems and, and, or, and various kinds of things or knee problems or whatever. And as we work through these things that, that seem to be emotional issues um, or resistance-based emotions, or reactive emotions, that these physical things begin to change. So the knee pain goes away, the back pain goes away, people stand differently because these patterns that have been held in place are releasing, which allows them more freedom of movement, more freedom of um, experience their bodies differently. Mm-hmm. And so there's oftentimes physical stuff, there's belief system stuff. There is, and this is what I've been finding as I've been working through years and years of my own resistances, is the old... Um, talking points in my head. You know, they've changed over over the years um, again and again. Like, you know, as I release something, there's kind of new talking points. But as I'm getting to deeper and deeper layers, I'm finding like the, you know, the, the really deep story underneath like the deepest talking points, like why... 
you know, why I get angry when things don't go my way, which was, I mean, I look at it and I laugh, and I, I know it's totally irrational, but I had this response, and I'm like, all right, so I know there's something here, and I was having a hard time getting to it, so I was working with somebody else to get to it, because it's always much easier generally to work with somebody else to get to your deepest stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see your own deep stuff. And right. as, like, we cleared that thing, like, I had this, full-on shift in the dialogue going on in my mind and in the like the underlying assumptions I had of what life was. And so those really deep conversations we have with ourselves are things, some of the things that shift. And that's some of the things that even though we have them on a regular basis and they're part of our everyday experience, like people don't recognize that it can be different at that level. Um, even when they've experienced it, and my, my, myself included, I've been doing this work for like 30 years, mm-hmm. and still, when a, when a deep conversation shifts, I'm like, oh, wow, I never actually thought that I, that could be different, and so it's always this amazing surprise. So resistance happens all kinds of different ways, and anything that you experience, like when people ask about, how do I know what, what my resistance is? I say, well, how do you react? when something happens. So when something happens that triggers you, do you react physically? Do you get like, you know, sick to your stomach? Do you, you know, does your head get really cloudy? Do you want to like scream at people? Um, Do you, you know, do you have a rising anger? Like what is your reaction in general or your spectrum of reactions when something triggers you, something doesn't go your way? And that's how you can kind of get a sense of what your flavors of resistance are. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. I, you know, as I learn and I'm writing, I'm actually taking notes as we're talking, but, you know, it really is right because some people have the emotional, some people have the physical. And I know um, myself back several years ago that I had a lot of physical um, issues mm-hmm. when I was going through a lot of stress. So, and as that stress lessened, the physical issues went away as well. And so it really is, it's very enlightening. It's very, um, empowering too to know that you can become better now christine we only have a minute until break okay so it's just um you have given such great information i just love it uh christine's website is christine madera and christine is k-r-i-s-t-i-n-e madera's m-a-d-e-r-a.com christine madera if you guys have questions for the show give us a call at 1-888-346-9141 or give me a shout at joe at joehosman.com and so christine when we come back maybe let's talk a little bit about where you were before and how you got to be where you are today because you're very knowledgeable you're very knowledgeable And I just can't wait to find out more about this because the physical and the mental reaction is really um, resonates with a lot of people. And and they don't realize that some of their physical problems relate back to their subconscious, you know, what they're Mm -hmm. holding in their subconscious. So I really want to get back to that. We'll go on break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk about all that. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. You bet. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
When you see someone, are you seeing the person or the perception? We see labels such as fat, thin, black, white, rich, poor, but we don't always see the true identity. Listen for New Dimensions with Reverend Nicholas Barrett. On this program, we'll embrace the breaking down of societal paradigms, our norms, and acceptance of our false selves. You can find your identity the way that God intended. Forget all the labels that you think you see. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at joehausman.com. That's J-O at joehausman.com. Now back to Go For It. Welcome back to Go For It here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. I am your host, Joe Hosman. Have a wonderful show going on today, as this day and every day that we have the show. But my guest is Christine Madeira, and we're talking about the subconscious and conscious mind. And she's got a statement in here that I just, it just stands out to me, just resonates with me, but your body holds your truth. And the more I learn about that, the more intriguing I am with that, intrigued with that I am, and just... I don't know. It just resonates with me. But anyway, we want to talk, Christine, a little bit, and we didn't really talk about this before, but talk a little bit maybe about your history and how you got to be in practice for 30 years of teaching people how to um, personal development and then the mind-body integration. All right. So actually this whole field found me, and it started when I was really quite young. I, um, you know, the third question they ask you when you're, when you're little is, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, the first one's, what's your name? And then the second is, how old are you? And then, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was really mystified. Like, I didn't have anything that I really was drawn to. And, um, you know, I had some ideas. I wanted to be a Bedouin caravan um, trader, which, of course, wasn't that practical. And um, some different kinds of things that sounded like fun, but I really I knew that there was probably something better for me out there. And so one day I went out into the yard, which is kind of where I would go to connect, and, and I said, I don't really understand why I'm here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be here in life. I was about seven years old. And so the answer I got uh, was this really wonderful awareness that what I was supposed to do was to be you know, my most authentic self, to be my, you know, to live in, in divine alignment basically was, how, was what it was all the time and to be on that edge of always being expressing myself from that level rather than from the level of, um, you know, the conscious and, and the learned conditioned state, although I wouldn't have phrased it that way then. Um, but I, I got it. Like it came in this flash. I'm like, okay, thank you, got it. And I had no idea, like, how to do that, but it sounded and it felt like absolute truth to me. And so my whole life has been really trying to figure out what that is and how to live that more and more fully. And so when I was about 10, um, you know, I say Amway saved my life because my parents, they sold Amway, but they didn't ever do that much with the business, but they brought home all these great tapes. And it was, you know, Zig Ziglar and, and different people who 
um, taught about the subconscious mind. And so when I was about 10 or 11, I started learning about that because I was really mystified as to how I, how I did that. Um, so once I started learning about that and I learned, okay, so this is my, this is who I learned to be. This is my conditioned self. So then who is that, that person underneath? And so that it's always been a continuing dialogue between me and life about, about this process and, and if I'm showing up in the moment. Um, as my as the least conditioned I can in the moment, you know, when it's always that that conditioning there somewhere, or if I'm showing up um, as in fear or in doubt or you know whatever that happens to be, and most of my life has been trying to fling myself into situations to um, go deeper and deeper into the truth and to let go more and more of the conditioning, and so that's always been a part of what I've done, whether whether it was babysitting kids um, as a teenager or you know, doing, I was a mind-body fitness coach for quite a while, um, helping people, you know, in the physical aspect and then doing the mindset piece as well. And then as a hypnotherapist and um, coming into uh, one of the big challenges, which was to try to figure out a way to talk about this with people and get this out in the marketplace as you know, my own business um, in a way that made sense to people. And so I've landed in the authenticity field. And my brand of authenticity really is heart-centered authenticity. You know, you hear about it, authenticity being, you know, you speak your mind, you say what's on your mind, but, you know, your mind's your conditioned self. So you're just sort of talking the old story. And oftentimes we're not speaking our mind, we're speaking our emotion, you know, whatever's up for us in the moment. And that's never really not that helpful for people. Um, and so it doesn't often improve the situation. And so what I, when I talk about authenticity, I talk about being connected to that heart space and speaking from there and, and being able to experience the rest of it because you have to experience all of life, you know, the anger, the fear, um, the jealousy, all the stuff that you, that you experience. You want to be able to fully experience that, but I also want people to be able to fully experience being connected to that heart state and being able to do that all at the same time and yet respond to life from that heart state um, so that you're not responding from your conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so I've kind of landed in that authenticity field and authenticity training but what I do really goes you know beyond that there's a lot of um, spiritual element to it and the mindset element to it Um, but authenticity seems to be where people are um, open to hearing about this in 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 a way that that might be new for them Mm -hmm. well and yeah because people when I hear people talk about authenticity and being authentic sometimes I don't really resonate what it is so when you Mm -hmm. just explained it that works out that works out for me because I understand that now and so I just had uh, actually I just had a friend text me too she goes this show was fantastic you know and so (laughs) you're really resonating with people that's great that's what we want this is why we do the show is so because people get that you know they understand that especially like right before break we talked about how your physical reaction or maybe even your mental reaction teaches us that you have you have resistance to what you want or what you need in your life so I'm just going to give you an example. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be traveling uh, next week. I'll be traveling for about a week. And so it's great. It's wonderful. I can't wait for it. There's a lot of great things that are going to be coming about, about it. But in a way, I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I hope I do this right. I hope, you know, everything goes well, blah, blah, blah. And so what happens when something like that, we know something's going to be great for us. We know it's supposed to be mm-hmm. fantastic, but yet we're scared. We're, we're like, oh my gosh, you know, what if I mess up? What if I, you know, don't do things right? That, how do you, how do you help people in that situation? 
Well, one is to recognize that that part of you that's like, this is going to be great, I'm so excited about this, that's that inner, um, that inner wisdom, that part of you, that, that kind of heart-centered part of you that's expanding you in the world, that's saying, we're going to grow this, this world bigger, this is going to be good. It, put, it always puts you in situations that are uncomfortable emotionally for you because you don't grow when you're comfortable emotionally. You know, mm-hmm. then you're, you're operating in your, in your patterns. So mm-hmm. to recognize that that is, you know, life, soul, you know, your heart, whatever you call it, God, whatever you, it, it works for you, calling you into a larger life and calling you into greater opportunity. Um, and that always comes um, in tandem with emotional discomfort. And so because it's your patterns, your old stuff that's like, oh, my gosh, something's going to happen. What's, what's, <laughs> mm-hmm. I might have to kind of break out of my little comfort zone. And so those things always rise in tandem. And so one is to recognize that. It takes some of the pressure off. And then the second piece is if you can do this and um, is to sit with those feelings of knowing that this is the expanded place for you and being really connected to that heart space with that and to be able to allow yourself to recognize, feel, and experience, you know, the fear and mm-hmm. to, to not without it taking you over because once it takes you over, you know, then you're operating from fear. But if you can be in that place of this is going to be really wonderful and, yeah, I'm feeling you, fear. I know that you're there. That's okay. Um, there's a lot of things you can do there. And I've got processes I do with people to help them unwind at that, at that state, and it's a little bit too much to go into here. But you can do some of the things like, you know, recognizing the fear and finding something to be grateful for within that fear, and that gratitude can transform the fear. If you do tapping, you can tap with that fear. Um, mm-hmm. if, you know, if you have other kinds of processes that you can do, you can work with that with that fear. But recognize that the fear is not, you know, it's real in the sense that it's your old story coming up and saying, wait a minute, we're trying to keep you safe by not letting you go on this trip because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. something, something strange could happen. And that part of you that, that knows that this is the best thing that you can do, even if there's going to be some bumps along the way. Um, mm-hmm. So, so you know, staying connected with that um, and allowing yourself to recognize that fear and sit with it and transform it. So you don't want to let it carry you away, but mm-hmm. find something within that to be grateful for is a great way to shift that fear. Um, some of the other things that, you know, the tapping can work. If you've got other modalities you can do that work, that work. and if you find the fear is going to start breaking you or pulling you away, come into the breath. Come back to that feeling of, of knowing this is expanded. And, and use your diaphragm as you breathe. That's another key thing. So uh, when we're afraid, we stop using our diaphragm. And habitually, we've learned to do that. So a lot of people never use it, not because they're afraid, but because they've just they wear tight jeans too often or they've, mm-hmm. they've just habitually stopped using it. So if you can use your diaphragm, that muscle beneath the lungs, draw your breath down and to, to release it out, that really helps to shift you from fear back into that state of, of kind of freedom or, or that heart-centered state. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just, but always call yourself back. Like if you're, if you're get way too far into the fear, that's really not good for anything. It's not good for your immune system. It's not good for your body. And it's not even true. It's just the old story coming up. Um, so do what you can to stay centered in that heart space. And then, but, you know, feel the fear as much as you can and um, do what you already know how to do or learn a modality, a modality like tapping to be able to shift that fear. Mm-hmm. I, I heard one time that fear is real, it's just not truthful. 
And that's kind of like what you're just saying. You know, and it's I would like to say it's, it's opposite in a way. I would oh. say it's truthful in the sense that, that it's part of your, your body's subconscious truth. It's what it already believes to be true. Mm-hmm. But it's not real because it's not part of that heart-centered sense of who you are. So I guess it's probably the same sort of thing. It's just a different vocabulary. But, um, yeah, it's truthful or, or real in the sense, or I guess it's real in the sense that you feel it. You know, mm-hmm. so I guess that would be true. It's real in the sense that you feel it. It's not mm-hmm. truthful in the sense that it's not the deeper truth of who you are. It is really, it's part of your conditioned, learned story. Mm-hmm. And once you can really tap into that and understand that, like, fear has no power over you anymore. You can feel it, mm-hmm. and it can feel very real, but you can know that this is just, this isn't actually you know, the truth of the moment. This is actually just my old story coming up and, and saying, oh my gosh, you know, I'm trying to keep you safe. Because that's all the subconscious ever does. It's, its prime directive is to keep you alive, to keep you survival. It doesn't care for happy. It doesn't care about anything except for your physical survival. And everything is geared toward that, including mm-hmm. your emotional survival. is tied to your physical survival. So mm-hmm. that's where that story comes from, that fear story. So it's not... Um, it's not your deeper heart-centered truth. It's not that part of you that knows going on the strip is the best thing that you can do. It's mm-hmm. that part of you that says this is unfamiliar, and unfamiliar is, is dangerous, and so we're trying to keep you safe. Yep, that's true. And that's exactly what I thought about, you know, because I go into meditation and I'll meditate about it. And you're right. And that's exactly what it, it says. It's because it's um, uncharted territory that I haven't mm-hmm. been in before. Yeah. So that's why it's just saying, hey, you know, you kind of come back to your old beliefs that, you know, maybe you shouldn't expand out that far. But yet yeah, I know that's what it's supposed to be. And that's <laughs> it's growing me. And every time I take yeah. a trip that I haven't done before. It's, yeah. you know, it just grows us as people and it grows us as individuals and entrepreneurs and business people. So, you know, what I say is take the trip, you know. I do I, too. I, oh, go ahead. I'm a, I'm a big believer in YOLO. You only live once. Uh, you really just need to be able to live the life that you dreamed of and want to, you know, want to have. And just yeah. whatever that is, whatever that life is that you want to live, live it, you know, yeah. and don't let fear hold you back. Absolutely. And there's something that you said in there that triggered it's a story that um, I tell people because, you know, oftentimes we try not to feel the fear. So, you, you know, you've got this, this expansion, you've got the fear, and we, we kind of poo-poo the fear. And then we go on the trip, and then the fear comes up during the trip. So I did this thing one time where I, I had a whole day. Like, this rarely happens, but I had a whole day. And I was booking a trip back to see my family. And um, as I sat down to book the airline ticket online, like as I typed into, you know, united.com, <laughs> all this stuff came up. And so I used my own processes, which are, again, too long to go into here to explain. But um, so I decided that I was going to let everything come up and clear it all as I went. It took me four and a half hours to buy a plane ticket. But <laughs> I, can I went, I, I know it was crazy. So I, but I went, I went home for two and a half weeks and I did not get triggered one time. And your family like knows every single trigger that you have, even if they're not consciously like flick them all the time. But I, and that was for me, like I would normally get triggered all the time. So, but I did all of that work as I was buying the plane ticket. And when I went there, it was like smooth sailing. So there's a lot to be said about really allowing and working with that fear and, and not trying to shove it away or deny it, but let it tell its story because it's, you know, it's an old story it has, and once it tells that story, it's done. 
You know, and so when you, and not to tell the story consciously, I mean to tell the story within the context of the body and mm-hmm. to unwind that so that it dissipates and, and leaves. But then it's done. And so when you can find ways to actually shift um, the, the, the old pattern of fear into a, a new pattern of, of allowing and, and moving forward, that pattern goes away and it doesn't ever stop you again. You know, there might be mm-hmm. a different story or a different layer of that pattern, but being able to release those things so that they're actually gone and not just painted over in the moment is truly key to being able to release like deeply held tension in the body. Mm-hmm. Well, and I go back to the the quotes that I was talking about at the beginning of the show. It's like the life you're living is yours. So find yes. purpose and live it to the fullest. But also, you know, what other people think of you is only what their thoughts are. And but basically, it's kind of like they're portraying their thoughts about themselves onto you. And so whatever they're scared about, they're portraying that onto you. And that's not fair to us, but it happens. And that's just human nature and that's what happens. But the thing is, we can't take that and let that draw us down because we have to take what we believe is right for us and right for our lives and make it into bigger, better. Because trust me, what they're giving you you know, is what you pay for it, which is zero. You don't pay, you know, anything for that advice, but yet they're willing to give it freely because that's how they think about themselves. And but yeah, so, you're totally I'm, right. It's all about them. And I tell people that all the time. Like, it, whatever somebody mm-hmm. says about you is about them. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I just had a debate about the politics here just not too <laughs> long ago. And, you know, it almost ruined a couple of relationships that, and I, I had to really step back and just, and that's not like me. Normally I'm like, you know what? I will keep my mouth shut to save face. I am very good about that. But, you know, this whole thing and it's just like, you know what? I had to step back into myself. I had to recondition myself, recondition my mouth mm-hmm. and recondition everything that I thought that I knew was right and made me the person that I am today. You know, so mm-hmm. even though we might step outside of our boundaries, sometimes we have to pull ourselves back in, realize what we're doing and then move on, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But and in the same sense, I also stuck up for what I believed. So. You got that too, you know. So, I mean, sometimes I struggle with that. Now, we only have about a minute and a half till break. So, when we come back, now, I also wanted to talk to you about um, your best-selling book on meditation and your first novel, God and Drag. I think that's kind of interesting. (laughs) I really, um, that's interesting to me. So, yeah, I would really like to talk about that when we come back. But we're almost at break. And Christine Madera, her website is www.christine, which is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, Madera, M-A-D-E-R-A.com, Christine Madera. Mine is joehosman.com, and you can reach us at joe at joehosman.com or give us a call at 1-888-346-9141. And, Christine, we'll be right back after break. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you in your own driver's seat? Tune in to a program that will get you there based on what others have managed to do through challenges in their lives and how they persevered. Tune in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. On our show, we use real issues and experts to help you reclaim your life. Danielle and her guests are here to steer you in the right direction. Make sure that you are here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to harness your power. The Compassionate Life is about... 
Just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. listening to go for it to reach joe hausman with a comment or question about the show please send an email to joe at joehausman.com that's j-o at joehausman.com now back to go for it welcome back to go for it here my show on the voice america empowerment channel i'm your host joe hausman talking to my great guest today christine madera we are talking all about living authentically and just having a great time i'm learning a lot i'm taking um, copious amounts of notes she has this has just been a really deep interesting awesome conversation now christine is also a best-selling author a book uh, on a book about meditation and then also she has a recently released first novel called god and drag and christine why don't you tell the listeners and myself a little bit about your books? Well, the book on meditation is called How to Meditate with Your Dog. And um, we went through a couple of print runs, and so it's now just available by, um, uh, as an electronic book, as an e-book. But it was really a book that I wrote with a friend, and, um, but I, I, he was, he's the, the face and I was the writer. And it was really about how to um, teach people who had dogs how to meditate by just, or to teach them actually that they already were probably meditating when they chilled out with their dogs. Because dogs really bring out that part of us. You know, when we just chill out with our dog, it brings out that part that's connected, that part that's calm, that part that's open to, you know, a, a, a larger story of who we are. It's just sort of a natural symbiosis with dogs. And so it uses that relationship of meditating or of, of hanging out with your dog to build a meditation practice. It's kind of like stealth meditation, you know, with your animal and it was a lot of fun to write and it's been it's made a really big impact on a lot of people's lives and so that's available on amazon but it's called how to meditate with your dog Mm -hmm. and then god and drag is this is a book that's been like 20 years in the making um i started writing it in god 1990 early 1990s um and then I, when I went to India, um, and I spent some time at Mother Teresa's Home for the Dying and in Calcutta and Varanasi and, and different places, and a lot of it I wrote is kind of a way to process my experience through these characters. And also it, was, it really talks about, you know, it's, it's a journey of faith, really, for of this one guy, and it's, you know, wouldn't think about it, this particular character that it has anything to do with faith, but it's, it's the journey of, of recognizing that everybody is the divine, you know, in human disguise. And it does, th- does so through kind of a gritty story of, of a guy in, kind of trapped at a, working at a hospice in India. Hmm. <clears throat> it sounds really interesting. So is it available yet, or is it still um, being published? Or 
Well, the ebook is available. We had okay. um, a problem with the the formatting in the print version that didn't get caught until it was out, so we had to pull that back. But that should be available again uh, by the end of this week. So by you know, in time for Christmas of two thousand sixteen, for Perfect. sure. Perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a you know, and I did also did the the cover art with a friend um, for this book. So it's a really unique cover and the story of Micah and and his journey of. Um, then discovering himself and, and, and finding faith in life again is, um, is, is one that really mirrored my own, only he's much grittier and, and probably a lot more interesting to listen to than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it sounds because, really, actually, both your books sound really interesting, so I'm actually anxious to read both of them. Well, thank you. I would love to, to have your feedback on those. Mm-hmm. Especially, I really resonated with the how to meditate with your dog. Um, I have two little Shih Tzus, and so when it's just us here at the house, and normally I'm running doing lots of different things, but when it's us here at the house, I can just feel a sense of peace and tranquility. Mm-hmm. They're in the same room with me, and, and I never really liked that before, but the last few years I've really come to enjoy that and appreciate that and want it and crave it. And so you're right when you said that, how to meditate with your dog. I'm like, yeah, that's what dogs do. They just calm us, and yeah. they give such unconditional love. And that's mm-hmm. the best part about animals. It's just that unconditional love. It is. There's that great quote that, you know, I want to be the person that my dog thinks I am. Uh-huh. And, exactly. and it's true because they, you know, your dogs, they, they, they look to you as being the, your best self. And, um, and they really have this magical way of bringing out that, that deep, connected, relaxed, stress-free place within mm-hmm. us. And, and so good for you because as dogs are great meditation partners, um, even those little, little dogs with lots and lots of energy, like when they calm down, and you put them in your lap, and you just kind of gently allow them to be part of that process for you. Um, it's magical. Mm-hmm. It is. And then one time, oh, several years ago, I was actually pretty sick with bronchitis and uh, touch of pneumonia. And my one dog, the little, well, they're both little, but she came and just laid on my chest. And she mm. just laid there for the longest time, and she wouldn't move. And she just, she must have just known instinctively yeah. that I was sick. You know, and we probably laid there a good half hour. And that's so not like her. You know, and I, she hasn't done it since, but it's just, it was our way, it was her way of showing to me that she knew I was sick and she knew, you know, that she was there for me. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, my, you know, my dogs are everything to me. So the meditation with the dogs is just fantastic. So um, I want to get back to, though, the meditation and getting back to my trip that I'm going to take. So I, I heard yeah. a thing one time saying, and I want your opinion on this, go set ready. Most set, people what? say, go, set, ready. So mo- okay. most people say, ready, set, go. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the opposite. Go, set, ready. And I find myself doing that a lot. I find myself going, you know what? I'm just going to do it, and then I'll figure it out later. And then that a lot of times will cause the the angst or the stress or whatever, but I've already committed to it, so then I know I have to do it. So mm-hmm. what's your feeling about all that, and how do you – how do you handle that with your clients or how do you handle that with, with yourself? Well, I think there's, there's people who operate differently in the world. So some people, and it may be fear-based and it may just be part of who they are, really kind of need to have a larger picture of something before they move forward. 
um, in order to be, to like have a sense of what they're doing. And in some things, that's me. Like I, in order to, to, unless I've got great guidance on something, in order to really understand something, I need to see the fuller picture. And once I see the fuller picture, like I go from the beginning to the end very quickly. Um, but I'll, I'll stall in like, you know, step two for what seems like forever. People are like, why well, can't you move? And I'm like, well, because I, I, I got to see where all the pieces fit. And then I go from zoom, zoom to Z really quickly. Um, but then there's some things like that, like that, when I get that, that, you know, guidance, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, that from that heart space, that it's like, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, oh, look at that's like 55 steps down the road. Okay, we'll do that. And we jump the 55 steps down the road. And then like, then it's all, all about like those 55 steps kind of uh, sorting themselves out. And then I'm ready for whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing there. So I think there's different ways of approaching um, but I, I do like that because I'm, I'm very much like that. Like when I know there's something I'm supposed to, supposed to do, I will jump all the way to the end of that and let it figure itself out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that process, a lot. Which is a lot of fun. And I think the key for, for people, what, whatever it is, that there's not a formula to, to doing it right. It's really understanding that, you know, where are you coming at something from fear or from, you know, conditioning that says you need to have all of these steps in place before you do it? And where are you coming to things from faith? And I think it can work both ways. Some people, you know, they, out of fear, will jump, you know, way down the road because they think they're going to have to do that in order to force themselves to, to take action. And I think that's a highly stressful way of living. Um, and if they were to go into that place of, like, where's the guidance here? And maybe the guidance for them is to take step number two and then step number three because for them that's the, the richer way to, to move into a deeper sense of connection. Um, and so the, to me it's all really about finding that, you know, where are you being called forward from that heart space and where are you being called forward from fear and, and choosing the heart space even if it's something that feels like, well, so-and-so said I should just jump right in, and it's, if that's not what you're getting from your heart space, and then that's not the right process for you in that moment for that particular thing at this time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you don't feel it's right for you, and know the distinction between fear and your gut reaction, really. Yeah. You know, and it, that's, sometimes that's hard for people, and it's hard for me. I mean, it's hard for well, us to discern sometimes. And can I make a comment on that? Because you said sure. gut reaction. And there's a the difference between heart reaction and gut reaction. So, and it took me a long time to figure this one out because I, I was trying to, to do that because a lot of people with gut reactions, I mean, the gut's really important. We've got a brain in the gut and our, like 90% of our serotonin is made in the gut. So the gut's hugely important. But the gut is really from instinct. The gut is our, you know, is our learned stuff and is learned stuff from our ancestors. It's part of that, you know, that story of, of what has made you from, from all those places that you've come from. So a gut reaction is not necessarily grounded in that, that heart-centered truth. Um, so you have to really pay attention to what your mind reaction is, what your gut reaction is, and what your, your guidance is. So gut reactions mm-hmm. are really good for things that you've kind of learned. Um, like you, you hear about police officers and things that have a gut reaction because they've got 20 years of experience that's kind of coalescing in their gut saying there's something off here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a gut reaction. It's from that learned stuff. It's not bad learned stuff necessarily, but it's from learned content. And the heart, the heart um, guidance is not learned content. That is your unconditioned self 
saying this is the path forward that makes probably zero sense to your mind and may have your gut like in a little bit of a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the mind that says, oh, no, we need everything logic and we need it to make sense in a particular way that's kind of violating both gut and heart. So we've got these messages coming from at least three different parts of the body. Probably um, there's more. But, but the gut and the heart are two different responses, and it's really good to understand the distinction between them. And don't you feel like with the heart, it's more calming? Yes. When you come with from your heart reaction, it, you're calm because you know it's what you're supposed to do and what you're meant to do. And your heart stuff comes, you know, one good way to figure out the difference between heart and brain because the brain is we've kind of conditioned the brain to overrule the heart, um, mm-hmm. which is, again, a, a physiological problem, it's, which actually shows up in our physiology as as stress and, and a problem and a precursor to disease. But that's a whole longer conversation. Um, but when you get something in your heart, you know, you get it kind of fully formed. And it doesn't come with lots of details. And it doesn't come with five steps. It comes with this is what you need to do in the moment. It is a moment-by-moment guidance system. So it is what you do in that moment. It is who you are in that moment. It's the decision that you need to make in that moment. If something comes with a lot of details, that's the mind. Like the mm-hmm. mind is the one. And, and what this actually, the, the, the ideal relationship in my view between heart and mind is that the heart gives you that, that decision in the moment. Okay, this is the trip that I need to take. And mm-hmm. then the mind is the part of you, that's the, that's the ex- executor, which is or not the best word in English, but it's kind of the, um, the one that, that puts things in motion. So it's the one that actually books the plane ticket. It's the one that figures out step-by-step step how you actually plan the trip. Mm-hmm. And, but it's the heart that sets the direction. So the mind executes the direction, the heart sets the direction. But you always want to come back into the heart when you're making a new decision um, and so that it's not like a mind thing. It's, it's actually a heart thing. So if it's like, oh, my gosh, do I need to stay with Aunt Betty or do I stay in a hotel? And then that's a decision not for the mind, and your mind will make you crazy. It's a decision to come back into the heart that knows probably the best outcome, whether you need distance or whether you need to be right in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. And um, so learning how to use those in their proper way takes a lot of stress out of the mind and gives you the best, um, the best path forward available for you in each and every moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, that's a great way of describing everything because it can be really confusing. The gut, mind, and heart, I mean, it's there's a lot going on. But I really say, you know, the I like how you put it, the heart is unconditional. It's moment by moment. Mm-hmm. And that's really is the truth because if you allow the brain and the gut to interfere, you're not going to go with that heart reaction. And so you right. really have to go. And for me, when I know it's you know, in my path, in my right, everything aligns together. And yeah. it's a calming effect. And it's it's what I'm meant to do. Now, getting into the details and all the other stuff, you know, then, of course, we have more issues with that. But, I mean, w- when the initial decision happens and mm-hmm. I make the decision, for example, this trip, my mind and everything was at ease. And I thought, Good. okay, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. So then I knew that that was, but then, of course, then the mind takes over, the gut takes over, and blah, blah, blah. So then <laughs> well, that's they're going to tell their old stories. But, you yeah, know, you exactly. said something really profound there that I, I want people to understand that, that you know, when, you're, when everything is aligned with your heart guidance, that you, you're at peace, not only mental peace and emotional peace, you're at physiological peace. Like, your heart is your strongest, I call it strongest oscillator. It's your strongest vibration in your body. 
And it's actually meant that when everything is aligned with that, your mind and your gut and your body and everything are aligned and, and vibrating along with that or oscillating along with that or in alignment with that, depending on your terminology, your physiology is in, it, it is in its most optimal state. And so it's, it's more than just about some kind of woo-woo, you know, connecting with the heart. This, this um, heart state is actually um, really the physiological um, patterning of our body. Like if we learned how our body worked best, we would all be living from the heart. Mm-hmm. Because that's so. how the body actually works best um, for disease, for energy, for everything. Your body mm-hmm. is in a much healthier state when everything consistently lines up with your heart. Right. And Christine, we have 30 seconds left to the end of our show. So is there oh, anything, can I give any people le- a gift? Yes, please do. Okay. So if you're interested in um, learning more about authenticity, those three steps that I talked briefly about, you can get a little free gift at, um, that, that takes you through those steps at um, threestepsauthenticity.com, and that's spelled out T-H-R-E-E, so threestepsauthenticity.com, and it takes you through those three steps that I talked about in the very beginning of the show. Perfect. Thank you so much, Christine. Uh, Yeah, definitely go in there and get her free gift. Uh, You have been such a wonderful guest. I appreciate you so much, and thank you so much for being on my show. Ladies and gentlemen, always remember, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. So go out and be great today. Be great today and always. And just remember, I am here, Joe Joe Hosman, on Go For It every Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Everybody have a blessed week. God bless. Talk to you next week. for listening to Go For It. Be sure to come back next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Joe Hausman, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great day and an even better week.